Blog Talk Radio. The following is a disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of the Roman Show Network, its management, or other advertisers. Listen to their struggles as they turn them into triumphs. In a city full of challenges, they only search for victory, and nothing will hold them back. These are their stories, so sit back, relax, and welcome to their city. Wrestle City Radio. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another great edition of Wrestle City Radio. I am your host, George Alonso, and very big thank you to Mr. Randall Villafan for our brand new intro here for Wrestle City Radio. Thank you very much, Randall. Uh, and of course, uh, oh God, he's already clapping. Well, guys, before I go on and introduce him, because he always wants our introduction, uh, guys, today our good co-host Xtina and our even segment host of the Indie Cut, Steve Mesa, will be with us here today. Not because they left the show or anything. I promise you they'll be back next week. They are just under the weather today. They have caught the flu bug, and they will next week when we have CJ O'Doyle on the show here next week. But now, talking about, you know, our stand-in, he is standing in for Edina here today, and I'm talking about none other than BCW's own, the man that holds up to the law, he's known as the law, Ray Ramundo. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, sir. Thank you for that great introduction. But don't lie to the people. You know you wanted me instead of them today. Come on, George. You didn't. You wanted the law. Come on. Listen. The law is the, the best co-host you can have. Well, <laughs> mind you, law, I, I know you like keeping up with the law, but let's make sure that you don't break the law here on, uh, on our show. So basically, I, I appreciate that you decided... Uh, you know, to jump on here, especially with how much Lorraine and I had to discuss with you as far as figure deals is concerned, money-wise, uh, it took a lot of digits to get you on here, so I hope it's worth it. So thank you very much for coming on. But basically... Uh, laws and cheats. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we have a huge show planned out for you here today. We're going to be talking about, as usual... Monday Night Raw. We're going to also be talking about the new UK show that's coming up soon. Uh, and the biggest announcement that we heard over the weekend uh, that basically uh, we got Tyler Bates defending the UK championship at TakeOver Chicago versus the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne, which I'm pretty sure you're a fan of. But guys, aside oh, from definitely. that, we, all, uh, 
Well, uh, we also have a great, great guest here on our show with none other than Alex Chamberlain, the Paragon and Ronin heavyweight champion. Uh, he will be here with us a little later today. Now, let's, uh, you know, talking about that. Of course, we will talk Alex Chamberlain when he gets on the show. Uh, he has plenty, plenty of uh, resume to talk about. But when it comes to the happenings of this, uh, this past weekend, uh, Ray Ramundo, of course, the wrestling world was at buzz with so many things happening for TakeOver Chicago. Uh, of course, now what everyone got heartbroken about, Ember Moon is officially out of the Fatal 4-Way and is now a, only a three-way uh, for the Women's Championship. But then you have just announced, like I was just saying, Tyler Bate defending the UK Championship against Pete Dunne at NXT Chicago. That's going to be a sellout. That's going to be a barn burner. That's going to be a slobber knocker to steal from Jim Ross. What do you have to say about <laughs> that, Ray? Well, NXT Chicago is building up. It looks like it's going to be British strong style imploding that night. The rematch is finally occurring with Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne, the bruiserweight as he's known, and Pete Dunne looking to make himself a dual champion, holding that progress world championship, and now looking to take what he feels is his in that UK title. Then, sadly, like you mentioned, Ember Moon is no longer going to be able to compete in the Fatal 4-Way. However, those three superstars competing in that three-way for the women's championship, that's going to be one hell of a match. I'll say that. Who knows? Can Oscar keep retaining and and do what again what she's been doing and break Goldberg's streak once more? Uh, let me just tell you something. If you had to say, Ray, because of course you are the law, I I want to ask you your opinion. Then of course I'll say mine. Which one of the two you think is going to be your show stealer? Do you give it to the UK strong stylers? Or do you give it to the women? I, I personally would say that the women are going to steal the show on this one. Uh, for me, I have to say, because I'm a fan of the UK style, I have to say the UK title match. Because I've been a, a fan of progress wrestling, fan of all of those promotions out there, that their style is just something that you have to keep your eye on. I feel this title match between Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne is going to be match of the night, even beating whoever is going to be the NXT title match between Bobby Roode and or Hideo Itami and Roderick Strong. Yep. So. Well, mind you, I, I think Chicago, is, it, like no offense to NXT Orlando, but I feel like NXT TakeOver Chicago is beating out, of course, you know, NXT Orlando by far. Now, don't get me wrong, the energy, the buy rates, everything was super hot when it came to NXT Orlando, uh, mainly because of the main event, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Bobby Roode, in basically one of the most epic main events in NXT history. But I feel like NXT Chicago is reaching that next level, what NXT has always been about, reaching the next level. And now people that we never thought about in the picture, in the pay-per-view picture is what I'm talking about. You're, you're looking at, at Hideo Itami, someone who just is coming back from injury. You're looking at Ruby Riot, uh, you know, uh, making her, her, her pay-per-view debut. Well, no, second pay-per-view appearance, but for this time for the title. Uh, 
you have so much happening in this. And then, of course, the UK championship, and we still haven't even decided what's going to happen with the tag team championship. I feel like Chicago is going back to the NXT roots about the next, you know, people, the next person uh, up. You know, we still need to find out who probably Aleister Black will find as his next victim going into Chicago, or even Roderick Strong or Cassius Ono. But all I know I'm really looking forward to NXT TakeOver Chicago is definitely a pay-per-view you do not want to miss. I will be glued on my TV watching it, and I will be enjoying every minute of it. So now, with that being said, of course, the United Kingdom show has started. Now, it, it, I'm not going to spoil anything, Ray, but it's looking like they might be canceling out 205 Live and joining it up with the UK show. You'd be a supporter mm. or something like that? I kind of feel their style would match, and a lot of the guys in the UK division aren't any heavier than a 205 range, and having those guys mix their style. Imagine the matches between Brian Kendrick and a guy like Trent Seven. TJP versus Tyler Bates. The options are going to be so crazy. It's going to be dream matches, because a lot of the guys in that 205 division are indie guys. They were those guys that we were watching for years that's like, okay, now this is the best of the UK versus the best of the US. So I kind of feel like if they do both shows, it would be too much for the viewer right now. Fans are getting restless with so much content that's starting to feel like a chore to watch it. Having this, it's going to be something that now fans are going to be like, okay, this is a new formula. This is something I actually want to see. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. As much as you and I don't see eye to eye, especially when we were sitting down talking to you about this contract of you coming on here for to co-host. <laughs> but basically... <laughs> but basically, you know, I have to agree with you. Like, I would love to see the UK team up with this 205 Live division. Now, I'm not saying, hey, delete the Cruiserweight, you know, completely off the record. Maybe join it up with the UK division. You know, consider the Cruiserweight title like a secondary title to them. With the UK championship, like the World Heavyweight Championship. You know, it, it's, it's something that they could work with. And with the UK now teaming up with NXT, as we obviously are seeing, with NXT, you know, the UK title being defended in Chicago, the possibilities are endless. I've always said, when the Cruiserweight division was I always said to everyone around me, I hope that the Cruiserweight division works out of an arena like NXT, at like UK like ECW, like a ROH, like all of that, because it's those small crowds that will really, really get it. You know, not saying that those big crowds don't, because the majority understand it, but it's those small crowds that are really like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Because It's because those crowds, are the fans, not to cut you off, those are the fans that are actually yeah. going to enjoy the wrestling. They're the ones that are going to actually be like, okay, this is a good move, this is that, because most of the fans that are in bigger crowds they just want the storyline. They're, they're seeing what's the best for my buck right now, the bang for the buck. Well, with that, mm-hmm. the smaller crowds are the ones that are still, they're in love with wrestling. Not as much as those bigger crowds. That I can't say that they're not in love with wrestling, but they're more for the entertainment value at that point. 
Yeah, and, but but here's the thing, Ray. In that case, like even if you had, let's say, ratio wise, if you had 10% of a big live audience chanting, "This is awesome," you have a very slight chance of a 10% ratio of a crowd being heard on TV. It's because of the length and the size of that crowd. But if you put 10% in an NXT venue or a UK venue or an ROH venue, you are going to hear it. So that's what I feel like these people need, these uh, cruiserweights need. Because notice that every single time an NXT guy is called up, whether it's someone big or someone small, they are received a grand ovation once they're uh, sent to the main roster. That is what I feel like they should have done with the cruiserweight division, in my opinion. So you felt they should have built them up, then send them up. Because exactly. sending them up right now, having that raw, being the, having them on raw, and then having 205, it's like they weren't built up yet. Fans wanted to see it. They said they wanted to see it. But now it's like if they would have had time to actually build toward it, it would have meant so much more in the long run. Hello? George? Hello? Please leave your message for Raymond. That was pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, the budget couldn't hold me. God, you pay for me, and then you couldn't hold the radio. Now I see what happens. <laughs> well, uh, you see what happens when we have to pay you so much. Ah, uh, law doesn't come cheap. Law doesn't come cheap. Uh, well, anyway, as you were saying about the UK talent, uh, I mean, sorry about the cruiserweights before we were cut off. Uh, so, yeah, we were talking about how that build could have been so much. It could have been so better if we had that build for the Cruiserweight. Instead of just from tournament straight to its own show and going up to Raw. It needed that NXT part. It needed for them to have that little while in developmental. Then maybe have their own separate brand. But right now, it's like having them off 205 could be beneficial right now. What do you think, George? Well, yeah, like because, like I was saying, you know, when it comes to the cruiserweights, uh, you know, I feel like, again, for the people who are just tuning in now because of the whole you know, problem that we just had, uh, like, the situation is, uh, Ray, is that every time an NXT guy gets called up, they get that 
lack of ovation. But when, because I feel like the cruiserweights, when they first were debuted, remember, we only got, what, like about a month and a half, tops, like two months, tops of these cruiserweights. And most of the time, or half of that tournament, we saw, what, 16 starting competitors. Um, we saw 16, and we were left with maybe about, around about 10. And, but we didn't see much of these guys because some of them were eliminated early. Some of them were eliminated midway, midway. And the one guy that everyone was putting their money on, Kota Ibushi, lost. So what I'm saying yeah. is that, you know, like the cruiserweights, it, was, it doesn't fall on them. Nothing was built up bad. I'm just saying you didn't give it enough time for the crowd to say, okay, I'm going to accept TJ Perkins. I'm going to accept Natalia. I'm going to accept so-and-so. You, by inserting a guy who the fans were picking from day one of the tournament, Cody Bushi, and making him lose in what? I believe it was the semifinals break. That automatically yeah, turned off. Yep. That yeah. automatically turned off the switch. And the fans did not get, were given, you know, gave up. And again, it's not the Cruiserweight's fault. It's just that it, it was it was time to get the people who switched off because Koda and Zach, it didn't give enough time to these Cruiserweights to say, hey, come back. This is what we could do. So I, I feel like it was a double-edged sword and both sides got, got cut. Definitely. And not even just that, then afterward, having the Cruiserweight title switch so quickly, we went from seeing TJP as champion to Brian Kendrick as champion to Rich Swan holding the title in a matter of not even four months, if I recall correctly. It was just a quick span yeah. of, okay, we're hopping the title. So it's like that tournament kind of meant nothing in a sense. We had the best of the Cruiserweights. The, the two money men in that match were Zack Sabre Jr. and Cody Ibushi. Those were those two front runners that everyone said, okay, one of those two guys is walking out with the championship. Then the tournament finals is TJP and Grand Metalik that are great, two great talents. But for, for a regular WWE fan, they weren't as familiar with them. If you're an indie fan, you know who TJ Perkins is and you know who Grand Metalik is. You've seen CMLL and you've seen that Mexico style. You know who these two guys are. But to the regular WWE fan, it's like, oh, the two famous guys are out. What do we do now? Exactly. <laughs> Even the most exactly. WWE fans, they knew Brian Kendrick. And it's like, uh, okay, one of them wins. And it's like, if they didn't build it to the proper point that you're like, okay, now I can't, I can't pick a favorite. I kind of want to see whoever comes out on top. WWE didn't do that properly, which is sad because these are great guys. Well, exa- no, and exactly. As a matter of fact, the main event between Grand Metallic and TJ Perkins was phenomenal. Was one of the best cruiserweight matches that I've seen in a long time. Not like an Eddie Guerrero or Rey Mysterio from Halloween Havoc, but still great. So, oh, that was, you no, know, that was I, a great I, match, but <laughs> oh yeah, a uh, phenomenal match. But these, the, but the, let me tell you something. The UK guys really pushed it. Really pushed that into competition. But anywho, we'll be talking more about the whole UK and cruiserweights in just a second. It's now time that we reach out 
to our guest of the evening. I'm talking about Alex Chamberlain, uh, the Paragon and Ronin heavyweight champion, uh, that he's waiting our phone call uh, due to the situation that was happening here on Russell City Radio. Uh, we do apologize for the technical difficulties that we were having uh, just a second ago. But the good thing is that the law for once actually did something right and stood in and said, hey, I'm going to fix this. So what, what did you do to get this fixed? Uh, the law has some favors. I will just say that. It's good to be the law. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I'm feeding the ego now. Anyway, let's go ahead and reach out to Mr. Alex Chamberlain, the Paragon and Ronin heavyweight champion. I might have to say Hello. Hello, Mr. Chamberlain. How are you? Hey, good, man. How you doing? Good, 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 good. You're on Russell City Radio with myself and the law, Ray Ramundo. How are you today, sir? How's everything? I'm good, man. Just got out of the gym, got a nice pump, feeling pretty good. Beautiful day in Miami. <laughs> oh, tell me about it, man. Where were these days a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> I, yeah, I'm yeah, no kidding, right? I was off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's funny, Alex. Like, uh, you know, we're both Miami natives, myself and you. Uh, of course, I'm not going to go into detail for you like uh, crazy Alex Chamberlain fans. I'm not going to say, hey, he's here <laughs> because I don't want you guys <laughs> waiting at his doorstep. But basically, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, I had a couple days off and it was windy. It was cloudy. It was like, oh, damn it. You know, I can't even go to the beach today. Now I end yeah. up working. It's nice. It's sunny. It's breezy. It's like, where were you? <laughs> I just don't hear the world works for everyone. <laughs> you guys are lucky because my New York weather is that right now. I'm in cold right now over here in New York City. The law is freezing. Well, we sent it, well, we sent it to you, we'll send, Ray. Yeah, we'll, so, we'll send Alex, some good weather your way. <laughs> well, Alex, basically, thank you very much for your time. I know you're extremely busy, a uh, double champion, uh, representing two companies, uh, internationally known Alex Chamberlain. Uh, pretty much United States known, uh, you know, and this you've through a long path, my friend. I've known you since you first started. Now that you actually uh, talked about being in the gym, I, I have to say, and I've told you this in your face before, that you look like the best shape I've ever seen you because when you first came okay. in, uh, you were pretty, yeah, you were pretty skinny. You know, you, you were in the tag team as the Red Devil Fight Club uh, with, yep. uh, I believe his name, Mikhail. Isonoff, I can never yep. pronounce his last name. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Isonoff, yeah. But basically, you were just as a tag team in that case. Uh, you were very skinny, and now you're like this huge guy that you don't want to meet in a dark alley. So tell us <laughs> about the evolution of, of Alex Chamberlain, man. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going on year 15 this year, actually. I uh, started back in 2002, uh, and... Man, it's been it's been a hell of a ride so far. I mean, I'm still relatively young. I'm only 31, so I feel you know it's weird how you 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 feel like you put the time in, but then you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, I'm, not, I'm still not that old, but I've got some miles on me. Um, you know, I have at one point I used to be, I used to be small, and uh, just man, I a few years back after the whole uh, Red Devil Fight Team thing, 
Um, I just really wanted to buckle down and just get that size. I always wanted to be like a power wrestler, like a big dude, you know. So that was really been my main focus for the past few years, um, you know, working on a, a, a heavier, more powerful move set, uh, just, you know, landing your stuff more, you know, going for that more intimidation factor, you know, trying to play games with your opponent's heads, you know, because you want to look the part of a pro wrestler and you want to feel it too. So uh, that's been my main focus for the past few years, definitely. Yeah, and like how you were saying, you, you've been in this business for 15 years. You're, you know, again, you're very, very young. Uh, like, I, believe it or not, I'm actually older than you, Alex. And, oh, good. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm older than you, but you've been in this business, like I said, 15 years. Uh, a lot of people were saying in your time, like at your age, that, hey, partying was, uh, was the thing that was in, like, uh, or play or let's go to a bar, or let's shoot some hoops, or, or whatever be the case, like uh, the normal teenage yep. days. But you decided, I'm going to dedicate my body time to get better in the ring and also train. So how did that, yep. like, how was the peer pressure? Did the peer pressure ever affect you in that? In that? Because I know you, you have friends, obviously. Did, did you ever yeah, have yeah. a situation where, like, Friends were like, hey, let's go to a bar, man. Let's do this. And you kept on saying, hey, no, I'm going to go train. I mean, I'm always, I've never been one to ever, like, fall into peer pressure. I'm a pretty stubborn guy, and I've always wanted to do my own thing. So in that regard, like, I got my boys, my friends, who are, like, my good friends. But, you know, they're my friends for a reason because they don't do that kind of stuff. Like, they'll, call, they'll party, they'll do whatever, but like, they've never, like, they're not pressure guys whatsoever. And they and all our group of guys that I hang out with and talk to every day, um, you know, we all share the same love for the business and the same love for a lot of other stuff. So, you know, everyone like the guys I hang out with, they're all gym dudes. They all are body guys. They all focus on having that pro wrestler look and pro wrestler feel. Um, but at the same time, you know, some of them like to go go out and party a little harder than others. That's cool, man. But you know, I've never been one for peer pressure at all. You know, and and uh, I learned young that your your body is your calling card. That was a uh, I would get that a lot from uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard and uh, Scott Armstrong. They were uh, two guys that really were um, really burned into my head, like how much you have to focus on your physique because you're in the you're on TV, so you better look like you can handle yourself and not look like you just work a subway and dish out sandwiches. You want to look like you can dish out you know, an ass kicking. No, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And like I said, I, like I said to you, uh, you know, you look like that type of guy you don't want to see in the dark, <laughs> dark alley, you know, yeah. especially if you have beef. <laughs> so it's yep. with your, well, your long hair, your beard. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the thing. It's like, uh, you know, it, it's weird wrestling nowadays. It, it seems like wrestling kind of, not that it's a bad thing. It, it worked out well for me because, you know, with my look and, and the way I wrestle and the way I fight and, and the way I uh, carry myself, you know, I definitely stand out, I feel like, in the field where a lot of dudes, uh, there's a lot of smaller guys out there now, a lot of guys who don't necessarily hit the gym hard. doesn't mean they're not great athletes. They just don't have that look or presence that I bring. So, you know, if, 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 that, if that's what they want to do, so be it. I, I'll, I'll be the big powerhouse wrestler on any card, man. I'll take that job any day of the week. <laughs> well, Alex. Now you mentioned like all this uh, gym stuff. Have you ever even considered something like I back in the days of WWF? I remember when the WWF would had a uh, a partnership with the bodybuilding organization back in the day, and like even pro wrestlers kept on going back and forth between bodybuilding and professional wrestling. Have you ever thought about that for yourself as well, whether it be now or a future reference? 
Um, maybe in the future when I'm older. You know, bodybuilding is definitely a, a good sport when you're a little bit older. But for now, for me, I mean, that that lifestyle in and of itself is definitely uh, unique in terms of you have to commit to that that particular job 100%. So I'm so focused on wrestling right now, I don't want to focus on anything else but wrestling. You know, and bodybuilding can always be there. You can do bodybuilding really at any age because all it involves is discipline in the gym and discipline the way you eat. Whereas wrestling, you, you want to get it. You have to get it done while you're younger, you know, because uh, it takes a toll on your body. Uh, no, yeah, I completely agree. And, and on top of that, now with with you focusing on wrestling, Alex, you I, I feel like pressure has been more on you than ever before because now you're not just a one company uh, down here in South Florida as Ronin Pro Wrestling, but you're a face of a top brand company up north in Paragon. So, yep. like, I feel like now wrestling has is really depending on Alex Chamberlain. So let's start with talking about Ronan first. Uh, with Ronan, of course, you've been there since day one, and you have fought the best yep. that Ronan has offered. Uh, is yep. there a certain person, hypothetically, is there a person that, that you have yet to see in Ronan that you have your eyes on and say, hey, I hope to defend my title against some person in the future? Oh, Oh, definitely, man. There's a couple guys. Um, you know, Cody Rhodes would definitely be a guy I'd love to, I'd love to get in the ring with. Um, you know, Ricochet, um, John Morrison. Like, there's some really good dudes out there um, who are incredible talent. Who I know I can go be a stand across from the ring from them and 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 tear the house down with those kind of guys. You know, those are a couple. Uh, like off the top of my head, you know, those are a couple guys I can think of that I would really like to get in the ring with. Oh wow! That, like for the Ronin Championship, I could only imagine Alex Chamberlain and Cody Rhodes. Oh my yep, God! Yeah, fun. That, that, <laughs> oh, extremely fun, especially for the fans. Uh, and, and, oh, yeah. and in Paragon, now of course you you got your with television up there, uh, but you also have mentioned in, in in other interviews that Paragon helped you in so many ways in your wrestling career, whether it be TV oh, yeah. and etc. Yeah, tell, tell us about a little bit about that too, man. Well, I I equated I equate Paragon to a Harvard study for wrestling. I mean, it really prepares you on every level from the way you carry yourself to the way you wrestle and the time frame that you have, the way you talk, prepare your your um, vignettes, um, character development, uh, the critique you get from like the office guys, which is. You know, guys like Matt Stryker, Sin Bodie, Gangrel, um, Len Denton, uh, D'Lo Brown. Uh, I mean, these are guys that uh, these are guys that I mean have done so much for the wrestling business, and these are the guys who are critiquing you. So I mean, you're gonna learn something, and if you don't learn something, then you don't stay long there. So it's a growing environment, and everyone wants to push each other and, and grow. So I uh, Paragon from day one. I mean, I learned more. And the two years at, at Paragon, you know, sitting under like D'Lo, Matt, and 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 Sin and Gangrel and those guys, than I did in the 13 years prior, uh, all combined. I mean, every time you go out there for tapings, you just you walk away being like, wow, like I'm learning a lot. That, that, has ever like when they told you, hey, Alex, you're going to be booked at Paragon on like your first call, uh, and they tell you, hey, it's for a TV taping. Did, did that moment ever hit, like, the nervous jitters or saying, hey, I finally made it? Did, did you ever have a moment of saying, oh, my God, this is my time? 
I mean, you always get the nerves, but I like that stuff, man. So, like, I like pressure. I like nerves. I, I, I function really well and focus more under pressure. So I was actually looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I've, I've been you – know, I was confident enough. I've always been confident enough in what I do that I know I can walk into any promotion, any state, any country, anywhere, and I'm going to be a guy that you're going to remember when I walk away. You know, that's always been my point. And even when I went to Paragon, I, I even said it to everyone. I was like, you know, within six months, I'll be on top of this place. And within six months, I was, you know, because I, I just know I, I know where I'm at in terms of skill level now. And I know where I'm at in terms of, you know, belief in myself. So that's been always a huge like mantra for me is and I tell all the young kids is belief and conviction. If you believe and have conviction in what you do, you're always going to be a top. You're always going to be a top draw. You're going to be a top guy because if you believe it, and you can sell that to the fans, and they're going to believe it, and they're going to pay a ticket to see you. Yeah, and a lot of also, it makes it – like, I'm no one to be saying this, so please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm only a, in a journalist uh, seat right here. But it also has to be with, you know, you're a professional wrestler now. You know, don't just act the part, look the part. And, and you're doing oh, yeah. just that, Alex. So yep. it, it basically, I, I might have a ballpark in that. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, like I said, every you know, wrestling is a three-ring circus, and everyone has different, you know, or it's like ice cream or whatever what analogy you want to use. Everyone likes different flavors and different tastes, but at the end of the day, you know, you're always going to have your popular popular ones, like your chocolate and your vanilla, which necessarily isn't maybe not necessarily the flashiest, but it's, it's your go-to. It's consistent, you know. Everyone knows what those are, and even in wrestling, everyone knows a pro wrestler when they're big, powerful looking, intimidating looking when they're believable. And, and that's what I go for. That's my drive. And that's what I push for the fans. And every time I get that feedback from the fans being like, you know, I saw a lot of cool stuff tonight, but like, you're the real, they'll point at me and be like, you're for real. Like you're, you're a pro wrestler. Like you're, you're a real deal. You know? And that's always been my focus and my, my um, drive in wrestling is be that guy. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I completely agree because like, the, a person may not know you, Alex, but I tell you yep. right off the bat that, you know, if I saw you, I would be like, that guy is an athlete. I don't know what he does, but he's an athlete. He does something, yep. basketball, yep. thing. Like, have you had a situation, yep. like, where you're... Oh, I get it. I get All the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, got on a, I got on a plane to Louisiana, and, and the stewardess is like, oh, are you, like a, like, a wrestler or something, or you play rugby? You know, I get, I get it in the gym. I get it in the grocery store. I got it in the grocery store today. I'm not joking. A lady walked up to me. She's like, she's like, oh, my God. She's like, you look like a Viking. Do you do something for, like, like what do you do for work? I'm like, oh, I'm a wrestler. She goes, oh, my God. Like, that's totally, I could totally see that. That was me grocery shopping today. So, I mean, that, hey, man, I'm, if I'm doing it right, I'm doing it right, you know. Like, if I'm getting that, then, you know, that's exactly what the guys on the next level for TV are going to be looking for. And that's, that's exactly what I'm banging on their door for. And that's why, that's why I'll get picked up. Alex, be honest. Are you an undercover Viking? Yeah, right, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I figured. Like, uh, what, I, I'll be honest with you, man, Alex. When, when I first looked at the you look at with your beard and your long hair and how muscular you've become, I swear to you, I like when I looked at you know behind you, I was like, "Wait, is here?" And then you turned around, and I'm like, "Oh, it's Alex." <laughs> so, yep. but, like seriously, the look means a lot in this business. 
So I yep. completely agree with you. So uh, yep. what I'm going to do, Alex, we'll talk more about, of course, even your trip to China unless uh, uh, Ray Ramundo brings it up. But basically, uh, I'm going to be done here. Uh, I'm going to pass the microphone to my co-host, see if he has any questions for you. If I have anything sure. else, right. we'll take a look for more. Uh, Ray, the mic is all, all right, your Sounds good. Okay, thank you, George, and thank you, Alex, again for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you again yeah, for being thanks, on the show. Now, it seems you're very confident with being in this business, but the main question I really do want to ask you is, what got you into wrestling? What was that drive um, that you to be a pro wrestler? Well, the, the, the actual match, uh, and I've, I've answered this question a, a, a hundred times, and I, I, I always go back to this match. Is, uh, it was uh, Cactus Jack versus Triple H at Royal Rumble 2000 in Madison Square Garden. It was a street fight. And that was the match. I remember I was always a lifelong wrestling fan. You know, I grew up, I watched WCW, WWE, and, uh, and never not watched it, basically. Some of my earliest memories from watching wrestling, I was a very rapid fan. But after I watched that match in 2000, I was like, this is what I want. Like, that match right there made me like, I want to be a wrestler. Like, I watched that match, I was like, that is what I want to do for a living. It, for some reason for me, it just struck a chord, and it really motivated me to want to pursue it. It seems so like that it because was, you, you do seem very confident. It's a great thing in this business because you are the one that says it. You want to look that part. And it's a great thing in this business because a lot of guys, they miss that nowadays. They're not in it yep. completely. No, I agree. Like A lot now, of guys want to they, they be one, but they don't want to put the work in to have every aspect of the of the business rounded out. They just want to go in there and do a lot of the – the, the, the stunts and whatnot. That's cool, man. Like, that's awesome. And fans love that stuff, too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's it's not that it's a, they're doing it wrong. It's just, in my opinion, I think you need to have a well-rounded, you know, you gotta be, you got to have a well-rounded down every aspect of it, you know, and, and the look is one of them. It's a big part. Definitely. definitely. That's what sets you apart because that in this day and age, it's what makes you different in this yep. business. Yep. Now, another question of mine is, you were trained by Brutal Bob, if I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yes. What did he install with you? Because I know Brutal Bob is one of those that will definitely make sure you get this business 100%. What are your takeaways from Brutal Bob? Bob was very, Bob was very instrumental in me learning to appreciate um, tape, basically the, the watching tape all the time, you know, going back and watching the old guys who did this before you. Um, he was really heavy on that to learn how to do things a certain way or to just, you know, pick ideas off from, from prior guys. And so he had a nice tape library at his school that you could watch. Um, he was also big on, like, psychology, basically asking the why you do everything. And you need to question everything you do and understand the reason why you do certain things a certain way. And, psycholo- and it was just basic psychology. That was like, you know, why do you lock up? A lot of guys, I ask kids nowadays, like, why do you lock up? They don't know the, the premise of a lockup. They don't know what you do a drop down for. Like we were, I, was doing, I was doing a seminar in Louisiana, and some of the guys honestly didn't know what a, what a drop down was for. They didn't know it was a move that trips someone up. You know, and these are young guys. I mean, that's fine. They're new to the business, but it's good to put that, that seed in their head to question why do I do moves a certain way? Because if you understand why you do it, and when you go to do the move, you have more belief in the move you're doing. And the fans pick up on that subconsciously because it looks more real. You're not just going through the motions. And that's the big thing on psychology is making people think. Definitely, definitely. That is something that's 
the fans do pick that up, though. They do see, they're like, yep. okay, now that really does. It's something that makes them entertained. It's keeping them inside yep. that match. Well, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, like watching a, it's like watching a movie. I mean, if you, you can tell when you're watching bad acting. You know, uh, you can tell when you're watching a, a movie where an actor is kind of half-assing it. And then you can go watch, like, you know, De Niro or Al Pacino or any of those guys. And when they do it, you're like, oh, man, that guy's going to kill that dude. Like, I absolutely believe it. Even though you know it's fake. You know what you're watching isn't real. It's a movie. De Niro's not killing anybody. But you believe it for the half a second, and that's all it takes. Same thing with wrestling. You believe what you're doing, and the fans can kind of escape for that half a second. And then they're entertained. And then they get their money's worth. Definitely, definitely. Now, another thing is you are no stranger to goals from what I've seen from your list of accomplishments. What was your thought process of winning both of those world titles and now being that marquee man for those promotions? Well, I mean, it, it, incidentally, it just ended up being right place, right time. Um, you know, Paragon had an opportunity to open up. I was still a tag team champion when they were like, hey, we're going to put you in a, in a tournament for the belt, for the, for the heavyweight championship. So, I mean, I was, you know, holding one other championship at the same time. They were putting me in for heavyweight. And same thing with the Ronin. I, it was just that yeah, Ronin was having that tournament, and it just came down to timing. And, uh, and I knew I was ready. You know, it comes a point where your career where you're like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Like, I feel, I feel good about this, and uh, I can go out there and tear it up with anybody. And, you know, obviously you've got to have that belief to have a promoter look at you and be like, you know what, I want you to be the guy that carries, that carries the flag, and you are the face of the company. And you are what fans are going to see, like, when they walk in, you know, and you, you are the guy. So, and that's a, that's a cool, it's a cool, like, feeling when you know people have that confidence in you. Because, I mean, they put a lot of money into these companies, man. Like, it's not cheap to run a wrestling show ever, you know. There's a lot of money that goes into these. So, to be the guy that they rely on to, you know, anchor every show is cool. You know, it's a, it's a very, very appreciative of that fact that I get that opportunity to be that guy. You'll, I'll learn something every time. It must be, it's very respectful. I'm glad that you have that respect for it. That's like, it proves why you are at that point in your career right now. Because seeing what you've okay. done, you've faced guys like currently Cassius Ono in NXT. Yep. Facing yep. guys like Sanjay Dutt in TNA. What is your mindset going through those guys that are at that next level, like you keep mentioning, that getting there? What was your mindset going in uh, those matches? My mindset going in is learn as much as possible from these guys. Learn what I did wrong and, you know, bank what I did right, but I want to go in there and learn, like, more. Every time I go in the ring, I want to learn something. I want to try something new. I want to pick something up every single time. There's always something you can learn. And I've been doing this 15 years, and I still learn. I'll never stop learning. You can't. This is a business where it evolves. I mean, look at the wrestling business 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it's drastically changed. Format of matches, characters, talking style, everything. So you always have to be able to pick something up and be able to learn and receive feedback because you, you have to. The day you stop learning is the day you should give up. Uh, definitely so because that's the sad part of wrestling is that a lot of guys don't yeah. have that drive to continue on. They do give well, up at a certain it, point that they feel they're lost. It's it's like, I don't know, I, I guess I see it as a lot of guys, they find a routine that they want to do, and they stick to that routine, and they have the same the same style, the same look, the same everything, and they never evolve it. And, and you know, if once fans see that, you know, they, once they see you a handful of times, like if you don't take it to another level, 
or, or change it up on them, then what's their drive to pay a ticket to see you again? You know what I mean? If you, it's, you know, like everyone has their favorite movie, but you're not going to watch every movie you own 15, 20 times. There's only like one or two movies you might watch more than a handful of times. So you got to be able to change it up and, you know, keep it fresh. And I, that's what I go to do, you know. Like I can cut a decent pace with a flying small guy or a heavy big guy, and it's different every time. I don't – I try not to – uh, use routines and 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 uh, re, you know the same thing over and over again. Definitely, adaptation is something that you do need in this business. In yep. your in your experience in this business, do you see yourself more as running to that killish side, or are you the face? Because I've seen your work now, and you're a good heel. I would say that. that I appreciate that. Appreciate out. that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely my. I, I feel like that's my more my calling is is definitely. Uh, I've definitely found something being more of the killer side of. It, there aren't many. I mean, there's a couple dudes who do it really well. You know, Kevin Cross is another one who's a really good like killer, like someone who goes out there and you're like, oh man, this guy's gonna like this guy's gonna be jaw wired shut after he's done with him. You know, there's very few dudes mm-hmm. on the business right now who 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 go very seriously who are very intense and very believable. You know, War Machine's another good example. Like, two dudes who are like, oh, my God, like, they will kill me if I ever get in a fight with them. So it's important to have that kind of, it, It's still a draw, you know what I mean? You have to have something different to, to be on a card, and there's only a handful of guys who really bring that, you know, brutal intensity, and that's, that's what I'm going for. I want to be the king of that guy, that group. I want to be the guy who everyone's like, holy shit, like, that dude is going to hurt someone. Yeah, there's always that need for that bad guy as well because – Wrestling is always that good versus evil, so you need that evil side of it that's still, like, I hate to boo him, but it's like, you need it. Like, you, there were the flares, yep. the machos when he was on that side of it. It's like, you need yep. that. You need that to kind of balance wrestling, which is yeah. great that you have oh, to be sure. able to pull that off with your character from what I've seen, and it's like, that's what you need in wrestling nowadays. Yeah, I mean, so and, and that's... On the indies, it's 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 rare these days. You don't see a lot of intensity. Yeah, you don't see a lot of uh, that like, aggression. You don't see a lot of aggression. I guess is the best way to put it. Mm, like everyone, everyone, everyone nowadays wants to shake hands and hug after a match. I want to spit on my opponent and take a piss on him. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what I. You know what I mean? Like that's wow. that's what I bring to the table, though. That's like because that's a heel. That's a true bad guy. Like, I'm not gonna sit there and kiss your ass. No way, man. Like, eat shit. Like I'm. Like uh, you, yeah, and I don't lose, so cool, man. Like I've lost like three matches in the last three years, so it's like when I win, even like it, it just, it's, a, but it's a, it's a character trait though. It's like when fans see me win, like if they're cheering me, uh, you ignore them. Like you, you gotta be if you're gonna be a bad guy, be a bad guy. Don't shake your opponent's hand and then tag them on Facebook afterwards and be like, oh man, thank you. No, you don't do that. You gotta, you know, if you want to be a. You, you, you got to kind of, I know it's, I know that we're in the days of characters or obviously everyone knows, it, but if you can maintain a little bit of the illusion, I think fans like that. I think they like, you don't insult their intelligence, but at the same time, have fun with it. And I love to have fun with it. I love messing with fans. I'll troll the shit out of them. I, I love it. You know, just, <laughs> but, wow. they, but they like it too, man. And, yeah. And, and they like it though. I, I can tell because they interact and if they weren't interacting, then they aren't, you know, then they're not paying attention. Definitely. If they're paying definitely. attention, I'm doing my job. To, we really need you out here in New York. I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely see that. Someone needs to book you out. Yeah, here. actually, I'm I was, I was actually talking to a bunch. Uh, I'm, a, I got a couple of good buddies out there, man. I'll probably uh, hitting up a, a New York wrestling connection uh, this sometime this summer. I'll be doing like a couple of three day swings up there. 
definitely around. Yeah, yeah, man. So I guess I'll be oh, man, those are all my – half that roster is my boys, yeah. I'm, I'm good friends with all those dudes up there. Nice. Mike nice. Orlando, Papadon. Yep. Oh, Mike yep. Orlando, that's my boy over here in BCW. Oh, dude, I love so – dude, Mike is – Mike, dude, Mike's one dude, man. Watch out. That guy is young, and he is good. He's one dude that BCW, people need to watch out for, man. Uh, yeah. Mike Orlando, heel Alex Chamberlain. Hmm. Uh, book that okay. match. That'd be fun. I think – I think I need to talk to a few people. Well, I mean, make it happen. That'd be fun. <laughs> I, I hand you back to George. Jimmy Snuka was another one of your trainers from what I've seen. What yes. inspired you with him? I've seen one of your moves was a diving headbutt. How does that yes. counteract with Jimmy caught you? Well, I'm sorry, but what's the question? Uh, from what Jimmy taught you and having that inspiration with the headbutt, was that something toward him or was that like... Yeah, yeah. That was like my little... No, that was like a nod to Jimmy. That was like my little, like, you know, like not many people use the headbutt and Jimmy was known for it. So that's like my little way of like kind of nodding to him. Like I, all my, if every move I do literally is, is a nod to something that inspired me in wrestling. You know, I do the backbreaker the same exact way, like I, with, with a little bit of twist because Bret Hart was a huge inspiration for me. I do, I, I have, uh, I do, like I was a huge Acolytes fan, so I use a huge lariat. I clothesline from hell, and I use the Farouk Spinebuster because I was a huge Ron Simmons fan. I love Bradshaw. You know, I, I do mm-hmm. things to kind of nod to the guys before me who inspire me. You know, I do my entrance a very certain way because I was a huge Triple H fan. So, I, I'm like, Triple H is my all-time favorite wrestler. So, I do my entrance very similar to his, not mimicking. But, you know, it's, a, it's very similar. And I, and I even model, like, my look and my presence a lot after him, you know, because the dudes that inspire me and the guys who were before me, they were there for a reason, so I kind of want to, you know, not necessarily follow in their footsteps. I want to carve my own person and be my own man, but I appreciate the, the legends before me, you know, and that's my way of keeping their – if I can keep uh, their move or something about them out there and people are like, oh, that's Ron Simmons' move, that's cool, like that, then I'm doing that, then that's a cool way for me to tribute them. Amazing, amazing. It is great. Thank you again, Alex. I'm passing you back over to George. It's been a pleasure. All right, cool. Thank you, man. Again, Appreciate it. I guess it. I'll be speaking with you soon because New York needs Alex Chamberlain. Hey, man. I'm, I'm always willing. That'd be awesome. Well, Alex, I have a couple fan questions here, uh, starting from yep. actually Nicole from Virginia. She wants to know yep. who has been your biggest opponent. Who has been my, my biggest opponent? No, toughest. Um, that, my toughest opponent? Uh, Gangrel. Like, no question. Toughest dude I've ever been in the ring with. Like, that's not even that, – that guy is intense. It, fighting him is like trying to hold down a pit bull with a blanket. Um, <laughs> he is – he is – the dude's tough. I mean, he is legitimately – he is – I mean, if you look at him, he's an intimidating guy just being across the ring from him. And he's 50 years old, and that guy still is in the gym every day. He's wrestling four days a week all over the world still. Uh, and he can still go. And, uh, hands down, he hits harder than anybody. It's, I mean, like, no, it's not even a question. So, yeah, he's definitely my, my toughest opponent. All right. Now, this one's from Michael in Texas. Uh, he wants to know, who is your uh, – hold on. I'm trying to scroll up on this chat room here. It's, it's freaking blocked sure. off. It's having issues here. Uh, okay, Michael from Texas wants to know, do you have a favorite match? My favorite match is I have a couple, man. It's hard to it's man hard hard to pick one. 
off the top of my head, probably one of my proudest matches where I was like, you know, where it's one of those things where I took a moment and got almost like I got a little teary-eyed was my Iron Man match with Wes Briscoe. That was, uh, you know, it's rare to go, you know, that long in a match and be able to hold fans' attention, especially nowadays in the days of, you know, fast attention spans, man. It's And to be able to hold a person for, you know, 40 minutes, an hour, and still be able to have them, like, coming back, that was something I'll, I'll never forget. That, was, that match just burned into my head, like, every moment of it. I remember looking across the ring at West halfway through the match and being like, holy shit, we still have this. Like, they're still, like, they're still with us. And this is after a three-hour taping. So that makes it even harder when you have, when they watch three hours of wrestling and you still have to go and do an hour-long match. You know, like mm-hmm. that's it's that's scary because yeah, you think they're gonna be dead, they're gonna be tired, but they were there, and it was awesome. No, I actually have to agree with that statement. Uh, I believe WrestleMania this year was like what five hours long, and oh god, yeah, event, minimum, yeah. Yeah, by the main event time, uh, you could tell uh, even it, whether you were there live or you were watching it on on the WWE Network for nine ninety nine a month. I'm expecting a royalty check for that. Uh, you know, uh, you can hear the crowd like exhausted. So yeah. I could only imagine. I could only imagine that how, the reason why you felt that way because after three hour taping plus a Iron Man match on top of that, you you were probably worried in the back like, oh my God, are we gonna have this crowd? Are we gonna have this yeah. crowd? And, and boom, Lord and behold. I mean. And you can always, I mean, a, a crowd will always come for you, no matter what. They can be exhausted, but, I mean, I, I've always believed in my head, like, no matter what, like, if you pull out something special, the fans will still react no matter what at the end of the day. And so we had to really, like, we, we went out there and we're just like, all right, we're just going to beat the hell out of each other and just push ourselves and make sure that no one's going to walk away from that being like, and think anything less than that was amazing. And you know, the reaction we got when we got in the back, the boy, like, everyone was giving us a round of applause from the boys in the back. Like D'Lo, all those dudes are like, you guys are stars. You guys are like, yeah, that was such a cool feeling of a, of a accomplishment in my in, for me personally. All right, and last question in the chat room. I have it from David, another one from Texas. Uh, looks like you're probably going to be requested in Texas after this, Alex. Uh, they want to know. They want to know. Uh, do you have a favorite crowd to work in front of? Um. You mean like in terms of location? Uh, David, that's you to answer, I guess. So I mean, David, a couple seconds, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it can, it can, it can vary. To be honest, it, it can vary on location. It can vary on. To be honest, it's, it's any crowd who's gonna have fun with it. You know what I mean? If the crowd's there to have fun, and no matter what, if they're there to respond and, and want to interact, whichever way. As long as they're, you know, as long as they're doing something, that makes me happy. That, that's a good crowd. I mean, it's funny because, like, no matter where you work, you're going to get a different kind of audience in a, each different state, you know. Like, Miami wrestling, like, South Florida wrestling is very different from wrestling in Vegas or wrestling in California or wrestling in Oregon. And I've, you know, been in New England where I was from. I've wrestled in Texas and, and Louisiana, you know, and it – so I, I don't necessarily have a favorite crowd. I just like any crowd that – reacts and is there and oh well david just said meant to say like what was the wildest crowd you've worked in front of oh wildest crowd bahamas yeah bahamas uh it was a tag match that was probably a, that was a that was for a uh, ring warriors and that was uh me and mikhail ivanov versus west briscoe and cassidy riley that was like a 
thousand people, few thousand people in a stadium that we were doing uh, at a, down in the Bahamas, and they were losing their minds. Like that was just, it was crazy. Like that was one of the few times where it was like you couldn't hear yourself think. And that, that, that the reaction at the end of the match at Pop when the when the referee rang the bell was like it was so incredibly loud. Like you couldn't hear yourself think. Like you literally are you're going deaf from all of the screaming. <laughs> I, that was man, definitely I love like a, it when Prince was like, I love it. Oh yeah, it was like come unglued. Yeah, that was cool. That was that was that, like, that was a very big memory for me too. Well, and, and yeah, definitely uh, Nassau fans, Bahamas. Thank you very much. Well, fans, thank you very much for all your questions, David. Uh, everyone that sent questions uh, for Alex. Uh, basically, last topic I want to bring up to you, Alex. Uh, you know, of course, you, you're not just famous here in the United States, but you also have flown overseas to China uh, and how, yeah. how you mentioned Bahamas. So you're very, you've not just gone national, you've gone international. And China yep. is a place that's very almost similar to Japan, where they kind of like look at the sport as a sport and entertainment, yep. where you even could hear a pin drop during a match. Like, how different was it for you to work, uh, you know, a Chinese crowd a, a, or a China crowd, per se, comparing to well, a United States crowd? Even, even, the, even a comparison between China and Japan crowds are actually very, very different. See, China is a very unique country in where they value, um, they have like, they have a very cool set of values. Um, they have something called saving face, which is like your integrity. So your integrity is everything to, to the, the, the country. It's very important to maintain that you're an honest person, you're a good person, you know what I mean? And you don't want to do anything to, to embarrass yourself or to hurt your integrity or, or your family. So um, for, the Chinese, for a Chinese audience, they're very focused on um, your, your personal interaction and how you do things. So it was very cool because they're so new to this and they, they never really had, you know, this form of entertainment over the, overseas before. So you're really breaking, every time you perform in front of them, you're breaking new ground. And it's really cool to kind of almost train them to react, but you also have to work to what their core principles are, you know. You, you don't work American-style, you know, American-style wrestling in, in China or Japan because their audiences aren't going to understand that, that psychology because Americans' form of entertainment is very loud, obnoxious, and out there guns blazing kind of thing, whereas in Japan it's more reserved and more stern and, 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 and intense, where in China they more, it's more personality, more integrity, and more belief. You know, they want to see things that they can believe because, like, in China, man, like, they, they are very much a kung fu country. Like, that's a, like, martial arts sports are very popular there. You know, like, kung fu tournaments are very popular there. So they've seen action. Like, they see kicks and they see punches and they, they – so – your your stuff better be believable. Like they don't necessarily going to respond to like you know hokey looking stuff. But your stuff better look good because they've seen what a, what a roundhouse kick to a two guys do. You know all these kids doing a million super kicks. It would never that wouldn't work in China. They wouldn't respond to that because they're going to be like, well, you know, if you kick a guy in the face like that, he's going to go unconscious immediately. So you actually have to keep that in mind. You have to work a very more believable, simplistic style that looks intense and believe and and, and, and direct. So the already tough and hard-hitting Alex Chamberlain even had to turn it up a notch a little bit even higher uh, when you have to go. Yeah. Over. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely for sure. Yeah, I'm not going to go out there and insult their intelligence. 
So. Yeah, like I would, I would imagine. Like uh, even uh, we see now WWE out to the Chinese uh, talent out there. Uh, like we saw tryouts, Ho Ho Loon, actually one of the greats yep. from China. Uh, you know, yep. and I believe one of the first ones to establish a wrestling organization over there, uh, Ho Ho Loon, part of the Cruiserweight uh, yes. division. Yep. But uh, my last question with this, uh, like for the entire interview, Alex, because I know you're busy, I don't want to keep you much uh, longer. But basically with WWE now kind of like looking at China, looking at Japan, looking at, uh, you know, Israel, looking at Mexico, United States, it, like with you being in the business for 15 years and still so young and, and that with new faces coming into the business almost every day, is this like now the hotbed now? Like, is this the right time to be a wrestler? Yeah, I think so. I, I think wrestling is definitely priming for a boom again, like a huge one. Like it's, it's starting to kind of come up right now, but I still think there's going to be another explosion of, of popularity. It seems like the younger generation, like younger kids, are really starting to get into it again. So I think you're going to see a whole other rush of, of, of popularity. As long as the business can grow and adapt to the new ways of entertainment, of using, you know, uh, digital media and social media and, and these, you know, these uh, platforms of, like, you know, the WWE Network, the High Spots Network, Fight TV, Flow Slam. Like, I think these are going to be – some of the early stages of another big wave of pro wrestling, you know, I think you're, I think you're going to see another number two breakout real soon. I think you're going to see another a number two company breakout relatively soon in the next few years. That's going to not necessarily compete with WWE, but it's going to be it's going to be big. Like, I, it could be TNA, and TNA seems to be right in the ship a little bit, and they seem to be going in the right direction with with Jeff Jarrett and Dutch Mantel and, and Sanjay and those guys back at the helm. You know, um, I I think they're going to be pushing for getting that old glory back that they had years ago. Well, Alex, I'm really hoping, man, I'm hoping, I don't care whether it be WWE, TNA, uh, ROH, shoot, even if it's in New Japan where I don't get to see it here at home. Like, I really hope get somewhere in one of those organizations because if there's one person that's really worked hard uh, for it, it's absolutely you because I've met you when you first came in here. Like I was mentioning at the beginning of the interview, as part of the Red Devil Fight Club, you know, all the way to mm-hmm. where you are now, you really deserve wherever you go, and I hope to see you one day on TV. I appreciate that, man. I really do. Thank you. My pleasure, Alex. So, with that being said, uh, you know, Ray, do you have any last questions? Uh, my last question would be that. You mentioned it, George. To Alex, what is your, ma- your end goal? What is that main company you want to work for? My main company I want to work for is definitely WWE, no question. I mean, headlining WrestleMania is a goal that every single wrestler should have, and to be WWE champion. It's the, they're the be-all, end-all. But at the same time, you know, like my ultimate goal in wrestling is to have a legacy. I want to carve Alex Chamberlain space out of the wrestling lore and legend and, and be my own guy, you know, be the next big, you know, big deal of wrestling. That's my goal, is to be my own my own little piece of uh, the wrestling history books. That's my ultimate goal. To be the... Al- like so it is everything. Be the Alex Chamberlain. Not the next, but have someone else want to be. No, no. I, no one should ever want to be the next something, man. I want to be my own guy. Mm-hmm. I want to be Alex Chamberlain, like, you know, a legend in your own right. Perfect. Thank you, Alex, again. That's yeah, all for Thank today. you, man. 
All right, Alex, so let's do your plugs. You know, how can fans follow you on social media, yeah. uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Uh, how can bookers get a yeah. hold of you for any book inquiries, and where can they catch you? Sure. Yeah, uh, my Facebook is the Alex Chamberlain. Same with my Instagram, the Alex Chamberlain. Uh, Twitter is Chamberlain underscore MC, and you can hit me up on any one of those for bookings. Um, I actually, I still maintain my Red Devil Fight Team uh, email if you want me for bookings. It's uh, teamrdft at gmail dot com. Um, but yeah, again, any of those platforms are what I use, man. I, I I interact with them daily. Always putting up stuff. If people want to hit me up, message me. I always try to get back to them. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so very much for your time and everything, Alex. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate it, George. Thanks, man. No, my pleasure. So we look forward to probably having you on in the future again, uh, whenever you know you have time, uh, because I know, again, you're extremely busy. You're holding up two companies, and on top of that, you're all over the place. Well, whenever you have time, Thanks, we'll man. have you back on. Oh, anytime. Oh, anytime, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Alex. I hope you have a good time. All right. You too, man. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, guys, that was Alex Chamberlain. What an amazing interview. Let me just say this for the record. Uh, You know, Ray, I I know uh, like you and I don't see eye to eye, but if there's anything that has to do with inspiring to become a professional wrestling was that interview. That man gave us nothing but insights of his career uh, from the beginning to end, uh, how he dedicates some of his moves to all the people that he looks up to. It, it, it was a phenomenal interview. Now, that was an inspiring story. Just hearing what he has to say, that has to inspire every single one listening right now to put in that extra effort to make it in this business. Yeah, I I completely agree. And hopefully you do see him soon in New York uh, as he does have his eyes set on New York. So, guys, you know, Ray Ramundo and I are going to take a little break I'll give our like voice box a little break and we're going to take a commercial break and please visit this next wrestling show coming up on June 10th for SWF Roll the Dice. Enjoy the commercial folks. Independent Pro Wrestling returns to Atlantic City after over 10 years. SWF Wrestling along with Stop the Heroin presents Roll the Dice. Saturday, June 10th, meet and greet will start at 6 p.m. Bell time, 8 p.m. at the National Guard Armory, 1008 Absicon Boulevard, Atlantic City, New Jersey. The headlining main event, only a dream match SWF can think of. Former WWE and current Impact star Alberto El Patron versus Pentagon El Cero Miedo. Former WWE star Jack Swagger versus member of the Boot Party, DJ Marconi. Three-way women's dream match, Lucha Underground star Taya versus cheerleader Melissa versus Impact Wrestling's LAX's Angel Rose. And many other matches, including the SWF heavyweight title, will be on the line. Strong style Lucha featuring Ricky Reyes and El Hijo de Dos Caras. The Mayor Guardian's gold ladder match. Red Titus versus Grizzly Redwood. A tag team match of Josh Adams and Jeffrey Bravo versus the New York Wrecking Crew. And an insane 20-person Atlantic City Rumble. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit SWFPro.com. 
And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SWF Wrestling 247. Instagram and Snapchat at SWF Pro Wrestling. SWF Wrestling alongside Dr. Heroin bring you Roll the Dice. Saturday, June 10, and Wrestle City Radio will be bringing you the pre show live. Don't miss it. Well, that's an event we're definitely not going to miss. <laughs> I, uh, oh, no, Ray, that's going to be an interesting there. show. Uh, definitely, I will. Uh, I will be there. And... Uh huh. Oh god, that's definitely going to be an interesting show. No, yeah, you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Extina's going to be there. Uh, Mr. New York, our security man, is going to be there. Lorraine is going to be. There. Everyone from Russell City will be there. And, of course, our good friend, Mr. Chad Mine, will also be there. This is a show you cannot miss, especially for that main event match between Pentagon and Celo Miedo versus Alberto El Patron, formerly known as Alberto Del Rio. I'm putting my money down right now. I'm saying Pentagon will come out the winner in this match. Ay, Dios mío. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even pick a winner. I say this: the winner is the fans that day, because it's gonna be the best in lucha. It's gonna be the best night. I'll say that. Well, and there's a well, rumble. Who cannot be happy with that? The rumble always means and a on few top surprises that, in there, so you never know. Well, on top of you're that, you with a tag team that you're very, <laughs> I, I, probably as a mass man. But uh, for all I all I know is that. Uh, you know, even a team that you're very familiar with, the New York Wrecking Crew, will be there. Uh, so it's it's this is going to be a very interesting show. I'll the trust New- they will destroy that mess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that. But hey, by the way, Ray, you are actually on your own in this one because Rain is actually agreeing with me, saying that Pentagon will be winning this match. So <laughs> by all means, for once, Lorraine is actually on my side here. But that's probably because you got us broke with how much we have to pay you for this appearance. But uh, uh, well, I know one thing: it's gonna be a night of Tierra miedo, and the patrons in the house. I just gotta say one thing: Latin pride that night. <laughs> oh, Latinos <laughs> are in the house. Oh yeah, it got uh, a bit. I hope uh, I hope the crowd can speak Spanish. But anywho, uh, guys, <laughs> like going back. <laughs> Going back to what we were talking about a little earlier, so basically the cruiserweights, uh, I think we closed the topic on that one thing. The cruiserweights probably be built a little bit better. The UK, I cannot wait to start. Uh, every single episode of the UK series is going to be filmed in the United Kingdom, so we have no problem with that. On top of that, even when uh, you know Tyler Bates shows up in NXT or Pete Dunne, uh, they get a massive ovation, so they're doing it right. So I feel going to be a success when they're brought up to the main roster. So I think it, it's it's going to go good in this way. Now, today, guys, uh, they are at the United Kingdom, and uh, I believe they're being pre-recorded. I have yet to read any spoilers. Uh, I don't want any spoilers because I always like to be surprised. But basically, from what I'm understanding, you know, there's there, there's going to be some entertaining segments tonight on the show. Hmm. 
<laughs> did I leave I you read to anything. wonder? I, uh, I haven't read any ma- anything major. The only thing I do know that it's not to spoil anything because it's kind of you can figure it by now they have their already agreements with progress and everything. Pete Dunne has come out with the progress title. Oh yes, so, I saw that uh, a picture of that over the weekend. So that kind of leaves you to wonder, WWE and Progress kind of like evolved now? It leaves you to well, wonder those few tidbits now wondering, having their promotion in the UK, who knows? Well, from what, what I'm understanding, well, what I'm understanding is that they're using the Progress organization to film their UK uh, TV show that's going to be appearing on the network. So, from what I'm understanding, Progress is the show they want to display on the network. Mm. I, I don't know if it's true. It would true. make I sense because if... the British Strong. It would make sense because the British Strong style. All three members are part of the Progress roster, and it would make sense for them to try to make sure they don't burn bridges, but make sure they can get more talent for future UK shows. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 listen, just every single part of me is extremely excited for this UK. But on top of that, I'm also very excited for the women's tournament that's coming up on the network as well. So, because Ooh. if anyone didn't follow the WWE Twitter, Kyrie Hojo from Stardom in Japan has officially ended all her appearances in Japan, and she will be arriving to the WWE Performance within the next couple days or week. So Kairi Hojo, another top female talent from Japan, is on her way. And basically, I expect her to stay at the women's tournament. Now, there is another thing I want to talk to you about, Ray, which I'm pretty sure you have a mouthful to say about this. Everyone's already how Adam Cole's contract has ended with ROH and that they're expecting to see him at the WWE TakeOver, I'm sorry, NXT TakeOver, Chicago. Do you think it's possible? Mm. Now, that's something that I do want to talk about because when Drew Galloway left TNA, everyone thought, okay, he's on the Indies, so, okay, he'll just continue the Indies. No soon after, Drew McIntyre's in NXT. So, if Adam Cole recently leaving... He's going to be in New York City this Friday night. I'll be seeing Mr. Adam Cole at ROH War of the Worlds at the Hammerstein. But I know that's going to be everyone's question is, are you going to be at Chicago? To me, I feel like maybe for NXT Brooklyn. I don't see right now Adam Cole doing that jump. Not too quick. So I would you say think, by around so, that time, he'll probably go to NXT. But right now, maybe just take indie bookings, relax, do those 90 days. Because I know WWE is big on having those talents that have had those ROH contracts do the 90-day clause and then straight to the WWE. Okay, so basically, you're, if you had to predict, if he were to come to NXT, you would have to say he'll show up at Brooklyn. Uh, yes. Which, luckily, okay. I'll be there. <laughs> Lucky bum. And, and, oh, wait, I can't even insult you. You're the law. Anyway, uh, but, God, this contract is so detailed. Look, look at, bro, 
can't believe Lorraine and I, for once, Lorraine and I are in the same boat on this, and I cannot believe your demands in this thing. No insulting. You asked for a four-number number deal. You asked for coffee. You asked for a limo. And you have... What? Who do you think we are? <laughs> Uh. Hey, Lorraine, you're paying all of this because I don't know how I'm paying this four-number deal, the four-digit deal. Anyway, uh, so I, I can't believe this. I really can't. Anyway, Law isn't cheap. Listen, it, just the fact that you're doing this to us, that charging this much to us, to Russell City Radio, it's absurd. Uh Oh God, Lorraine! Lorraine, I am not going to be. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, exceptional from any budget cuts. We should fire that uh, Raymond Sanchez though for being cue card guy, Darn Sanchez. <laughs> anyway, hey, I heard about uh, that guy. He's a good cue card guy. Keep him around. <laughs> I have him on. He's one of my proteges. Keep that guy around. <laughs> well, we we love Raymond Sanchez. But basically, guys, we are about done here on Russell City Radio. We have to prepare ourselves for Monday Night Raw here going into tonight. Uh, we are not going to discuss it because the problem is, Ray, if we did, we will pretty much might as well be giving you spoilers because it's a pre-record Monday Night Raw. So we're not going to do that. Uh, but we will be back next week, you know, next Monday at 6 p.m. Uh, again, Xtina will be back next Monday. Uh, and so will Steve Mesa. They're both under the, the flu, uh, but they're, they will be back 100% next week. And our special guest next week will be none other than CJ O'Doyle will be here with us next week. Uh, Ray, do you have any last questions, comments? Uh, do you want to do any plugs before we go? I will say thank you again, George, for having me today. Thank you for paying that sir amount that I will not disclose. But I do have one little plug for me. I will be plugging, which will be the show I will be at here in New York, is March 26th. BCW presents A Champion Will Rise, featuring none other than Lucha Underground star The Map. That will be here in Queens, New York, at the world's famous Elk Lodge. It's a show you're not going to want to miss because it's our first round tournament continued because we're on the road to determining our first ever BCW World Champion. And for me, I'm the Law Ray Ramundo. That is on Twitter, at the Law Ray Ramundo. Facebook, at the Law Ray Ramundo. Even Instagram, at the Law Ray Ramundo. I have someone else working for me that's doing all those social medias, but follow those. Thank you again. Hey, hey Ray, let me introduce you. Ray, let me introduce what you is to someone. You see this guy right here? His name is is Gio. He's our, our janitor. Uh, Gio, um, show him where the pants are. Uh, I'll, I'll see you later. Uh, I'm taking my checks with me. See you later, Ray. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. Remember to come back next Monday at 6 p.m. right here on Block Talk Radio. And get your dose of reality checks.